0: Yes, they are, no, they, they're essentially, it's the same sort of family tree line as, a, as your trevally species. Um, so you're um, very, very hard um, carnivorous type fish. It, they sort of come in for the kill and they get it and they leave with uh, dust in their trace. Oh yeah, you. As soon as you hook that bad boy, he's straight into the backing every single time. I've never, never had one not take me to my backing. Um, they, they're just amazing. I would, I would almost go, I would almost go so far uh, to say that I would put it on the same sort of level as a permit. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires, bringing usable
1: information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. We've got Stuart Purnell up next from Cape Town, South Africa. He's a guide at upstream fly fishing in Cape Town want to let you know the top five cities for downloads this week on the podcast. We want to say thanks for listening this week to Elkridge, Maryland, Vancouver, Washington, Boise, Idaho, Burnaby, B.C., and Johnstown, P.A. Since 2015, the Flycrate has taught thousands of anglers world-class fly fishing techniques, and they provide unique fly fishing flies gear and tackle. The Fly Crate is an American-owned company committed to helping USA veterans by dedicating two percent of sales to Project Healing Waters. Check them out at www.theflycrate.com. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing '97 podcast. Thanks so much for for tuning in this time around. We want to welcome to the podcast Stuart Purnell. Now Stuart is in Cape Town, South Africa he's a guide, uh, works at upstream fly fishing, pretty avid and by the looks of things getting into some beautiful fish. We're going to talk grunter, garret, coblet, monster carp. If that sounds a little foreign to you, don't don't worry cuz I don't know what half these fish are, but we're going to find out. Stuart, thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Oh, no, awesome. Thank you for inviting me on this um on the show.
1: Yeah, really appreciate it. You and I have been going back and forth a little bit and it's it's nice to finally hook up. So, we're Oh no, likewise. We're going to get into um, your, your, the business that you're working, uh, the guiding that you're doing, and, and all things fins in and around Cape Town, but I'd like to start things off, Stuart, with a look into kind of your history. How did you come to get into fly fishing?
0: So, growing up, um, yo, I can't even remember the first time I hold a uh, just a normal fishing rod in my hand. I mean, uh, it must have been around just when I was starting to walk. I can I can remember uh, seeing photos of me holding fishing rods and stuff, and planning going on fishing trips and stuff. And then, um, Jesus was in about grade eight. Um, I had just moved to a new high school, and one of the teachers was actually uh, into fly fishing. He was actually trying to start a, a fly fishing shop in—I mean, start a fly fishing team in the in the school as like a team sport. And yeah, he was looking for people, and I was willing to try it out. And from there, sure, just just hooked. Um,
1: That's awesome. So yeah. you you started. And did, you're on that team in school?
0: Uh, yes, I was. I was on the fly fishing team at school. Um, I was the the captain of the fly fishing team for uh, grade nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Was the captain. Um, we went to. We've got a, a nationals competitions like you've got in all of the countries around the world. We've got um, our national fly fishing uh, teams that go and compete every year. Um, we went every single year to go and compete in them, uh, just with the, the exposure that we got from our, our teacher and yeah, it's the, the, the learning curve was just so steep. And from there, it's just, it teaches you how to, to go about, um, finding all of these other places to go fishing. You talk with this guy and he says, yeah, no, um, I went down to that stream and caught this fish. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that there was fish there. Um, and you slowly but surely grow your, grow your knowledge. Um,
1: I'm curious, Stuart, how you mentioned that it was a steep learning curve. Kind of where did it take you first? Did it take you through the entomology or was it a tying thing for you, a casting thing? Kind of where, where did you focus on in the beginning?
0: Um so I'm 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 not too sure where it really started my my teacher sort of did explain to me that I had sort of gotten the gist of the the whole fly fishing thing quite naturally um but yeah I suppose it was just very it was very interesting to me um and sort of when you've got interest in the sport you can just go from from strength to strength and you can sort of um Dive into the, the entomology side of it. You can sort of really go online and chat to all the people about how to urine nymph correctly and And how to swing streamers correctly and then you can dive into um, Other books on how to read rivers and how to read pocket water um, And all of that stuff, but uh, mostly it was it was mostly fresh water in the earlier stages, and then I've only really dived into saltwater fishing this past four years.
1: Well, I want to get into all these different species that, that you're chasing in just a moment, but uh, tell us a little bit about upstream fly fishing and what you do there. I know you do some guiding and uh, put a lot of time, a lot of hours in at the shop, so maybe walk us through that, um, your day job. How does that look?
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, normal day is uh, getting up quite early. The the shop normally opens around nine o'clock and then we close at about five. And yeah, the upstream brand has kind of been around for, let's say, the past 12 to 15 years. Um, we've just recently I've just had my my new boss he's just recently taken over from the old boss about 18 months ago and we're really putting it um, really putting the shop through new paces and just trying new things uh, trying to get the brand out there trying to get um, more people to obviously come in We've, we've upgraded a lot of stuff. We've gotten a lot of the, the top brands like Loomis from the States. Uh, we've got your Thomas and Thomas rods. We've got your Scott rods um, and a lot of other fly fishing uh, brands um, like Shelton and Sage and all of those brands. Um, and then we've got your normal um, fly tying materials and all of that. Uh, but, yeah, mostly we, we're trying to really focus on the guiding aspect because, yeah, most of the people that come into the country and they sort of um, come here on holiday, they come here um, to see their kids or whatnot, uh, they pitch up and they don't really notice that they you can actually do fly fishing in Cape Town and then... They go on their holiday and on the last day, most often than not, they'll come and they'll pop through and they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't actually know that fly fishing was so big in Cape Town. And then they have to make another trip, another trip back. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, it looks like you're definitely, I I was actually surprised because some some of the photos that I've seen of you with fish, there's quite a few trout. and, And I just thought in my own mind, well, he's in the business, he's probably traveling around the world, but you got all this in your backyard.
0: Yeah, it is, it is really, it's a real uh, privilege to have to have such a wide variety of um, fish species just in our backyard.
1: So um, let's talk about those species, Stuart, if you don't mind. Now, what is a grunter?
0: So a grunter is, uh, it's a, a fish that feeds in salt water. Um, they mostly feed in, in estuary systems, uh, so you've got a A river that flows down and you've got a a constant supply of fresh water that meets salt water and these grunter um they've got uh, spots along them and they're very very spiny fish um uh, we've had quite a few incidents where spines have gone through fingers and stuff and it's it's not really pretty but yeah they are they are one of the most iconic fishes to catch on fly down here in cape town
1: so what's, what's um, the trick to handling a grunter? So when you're trying to, say you're trying to take a pick with one or you're trying to land it, uh, how do you, how do you watch for those fins?
0: Yeah, I would say um, when definitely, once you've hooked it, the it's definitely hooked. Uh, their mouths are very soft and they sort of hook, uh, keep the, the hook in them quite well. Um, but mainly what you would do is most of the saltwater species here, you would sort of, Drag it past you and just try and grab the tail as quickly as possible, um, kind of like you would be doing to your your normal GT or, or bigger bigger saltwater species as well.
1: Right. So are these grunt are they pretty aggressive on the take?
0: They they are very aggressive on the take, um, almost kind of like your smallmouth bass or largemouth bass um, sort of eat um, generally you're fishing top water for them uh, you'll make like a, a floating prawn pattern and you'll drift it very slowly there's a, a great deal of patience involved um, it's often driven people quite mental just trying to trying to get a hookup um, and you'll drift one of these in uh, one of these prawn patterns in sort of a, a, a mud flat area where you you generally you will see them them tailing, uh, and what I mean by that is you'll actually see their tails flopping out of the water as they're busy digging into the mud. Mm. Um, because your only fish these fish are cruising around in short in water that's probably about knee deep to ankle deep sometimes. Um, wow. Sometimes you'll see the their back fins will be sticking out the water, and you've got to present to them. Um, and you'll be fishing with seven weight, so you've got to, you've got to present quite um, delicately with a seven weight. Um,
1: I can Um, one thing I'm thinking in my own mind, Stuart, when you say they're all knee-deep watered up to three feet, that's, fish like that have nowhere to go but out, so I would imagine you get some pretty awesome runs on the reel. Oh yeah, you, as
0: soon as you hook that bad boy, he's straight into the backing every single time. I've never, never had one not take me into my backing. Um, huh. They they're just amazing. I would I would almost go I would almost go so far uh, to say that I would put it on the same sort of level as a permit. Wow. In, in Alphonse or sort of those places around the world because um, we do we do put on uh, one of our one of our sort of uh, trips that we do is to the Seychelles. We do Alphonse trips. And uh, lido trips and stuff, and my boss and my other colleagues—they go to the Seychelles quite often. And um, my boss has caught, caught quite a few permit in his life, and he says Grunter is very much so on the same page. You—you you can be fishing on um, sand flats, uh, the white sand flats, uh, presenting. Mm-hmm. Small patterns trying to get them to come over, watching them cruise over, take a look at it, and just carry on cruising and they can really they can really drive you insane
1: that sounds absolutely amazing. you, you got to dial me in on of all the species that you target, and there's a lot wh- what's your favorite to catch on the fly?
0: I would definitely say hands down our uh, garrick our um fish now now Garrick. Um, in in Afrikaans, our, our local language here, is a leofis. And leofis, directly translated back into English, means leather fish. And the actual skin of a garrick is not like any other fish that, um, that you know of. It's got a, it's like a, it's a very hard, very leathery feel. It doesn't have any scales or anything like that. Um... And it's got, it doesn't have a lot of slime on it or anything. So they're really nice to, they're nice fish to like hold and and pose with um, for for those great photos that you want. And they're really hard, hard, hardy fish.
1: I was taking a look at some of them, and and they have like no scales. So that when I look at it, that just looks like a bullet. Like that thing looks like it would take off.
0: Yes, they are, no, They. They're essentially, it's the same sort of family tree line as, a, as your trevally species. Um, so you're um, very, very hard um, carnivorous type fish. It, they sort of come in for the kill and they get it and they leave with uh, dust in their trace. So are, the, uh, are
1: these fish, uh, Stuart, basically where the salt meets the fresh? Are they in the, just the salt? What does that look like?
0: So most of these species have kind of developed uh, a little bit of a, a tolerance to fresh water. So sure. most of these species are 100% salt water, but have built up a little bit of tolerance towards the fresh water so that they can venture a bit further up the river to kind of feed and then come back down into into the salt water.
1: Hmm. So explain to me how how you fish for Garrick. Are you casting big streamer patterns? Are you spay casting? What does that look like?
0: Um, so, funny funny enough, you should say spay casting because um, we're, really, we're really trying to see. We've got a lot of guys that are kind of experimenting with spay casting in, in South Africa because we don't have a lot of guys that kind of do spay casting down here. Um, but normally what you'll do is you just cast really, really big streamers, um, any sort of bait fish, um, streamer that would represent the, the local bait fish. So we're talking small mullet patterns or, um, or any sort of flashy bait fish profile. And basically as soon as it hits the water, you've just got to strip it as hard as you can and watch that leery come up behind you and he'll just smash it. Basically, it's basically exactly like GT fishing, but on a local scale.
1: Oh, man. You know, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> I, it sounds it's, like a place I need to go.
0: No, definitely, definitely. It is, it's an, It's an amazing South Africa, or especially Cape Town. It's just an amazing place to, to come, not, not only just to see the scenery, but to fish as well. Um, I mean, Blake's my, my local favorite spot here in Stellenbosch. Um, what you'll do is we've got two, two sort of reef sections that kind of hug like a bay almost. And what you do is you'd walk out on either or sections of reef and you'd cast into the main channel. And what we do is we use poppers um, kind of to find the fish. So you'll cast out your popper all the time. You'll just keep popping, and then you'll get like um, what we call a rat pack, and it'll be a, a, a quite a big pack of about four to six leerys that'll be coming through. That it'll probably be in your fifty to sixty centimetre range, and they'll come through, and you'll see the explosions behind. If they, if you're still not getting them on the popper, then you, what you'll do is you'll change over to like a brush fly, or any sort of fish streamer, and you'll strip that. And then you just you're you're fishing very shallow, very shallowly, like on the surface. They they love to kind of come up to the surface and really show you that they're eating eating that fly.
1: So it sounds um, sounds like leery's on top water is something to to put on the old bucket list.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I would say I would say it's right up there with catching jeets on poppers. Wow, right up there.
1: We're chatting today with Stuart Purnell of Cape Town, South Africa. He's a guide, works uh, days at Upstream Fly Fishing, and you told me off air that you're tying a lot of flies in the shop. Tell us about that. I know I know you spend a lot of time at the bench.
0: Yeah, um, I've always had a, a very creative personality. Um, and yeah, when, when I started fly fishing, uh, I leaped at the opportunity to, to start fly tying and learning all the different invertebrates and um, different baitfish patterns and different styles, different techniques. And sort of from there, I've just really gone from strength to strength on just trying to to find a a better a better way to tie things
1: are most of the patterns that you're tying bait fish patterns like i would imagine some of these i mean these fish sound like just absolute predators so i I mean i get the whole entomology aspect if you're targeting you know trout like browns and and rainbows and, and, and whatnot but when you're targeting these these bigger fish you're are you mostly fishing streamer patterns
0: Correct. Mostly, mostly our fish streamer patterns um, just because most of the, the saltwater fish that are here, they are very predatorial. Um, I think grunter, grunter is kind of the only one that doesn't really eat bait fish and um, they, they eat prawns and shrimp and small crustacean, crustacean patterns. Um, however, we have sort of been doing quite a bit of research on the grunter and sort of their migratory patterns and feeding behaviors. And we have found out that when they do sort of uh, migrate kind of up the coast, they go into different sort of river systems that are up the coast in South Africa, um, and then they feed on small bait fish as well. Hmm. So, yeah, you can you can probably, if you wanted to have one fly to come and try and fish for saltwater fish in South Africa, you would probably come with a bait fish pattern.
1: It sounds to me like Grunter, it, could you substitute some of the bonefish patterns? They're kind of down there digging.
0: Um, yeah, you probably could. Um, we So there's two ways, there's two different sort of styles that we've sort of narrowed down to catching Grunter on. Um The one you, you get two different types of um, sand flats in, in these river mouths. You'll get a, what we call a mud flat. And that'll be your darker color and you'll get um, mud prawns in there. And then we'll be casting top water patterns on those types of ones. And then if you wanted to target them on the white sand, then you would typically use like a sinking fly. But they're very. The water is very clear, so you would have to use very small flies. So it does help to use kind of small bonefish flies, or small um, small crustacean flies, small prawn flies. Just anything. I mean, there's, there's nobody that's really kind of figured out exactly how to catch them on the sand yet. Um, they're they're just so difficult that you only get like one or two chances. Um, to get an eat probably in a season, um, it can be very difficult.
1: Yeah. That sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like there might be a little frustration involved, but once you, once you hook, you're probably hooked, right?
0: You definitely, definitely hooked. Huh. Um,
1: so can I ask you, I want to get our audience to know you a little bit with some, some rapid fire questions, kind of just, to find out a little bit about yourself. You ready?
0: Yeah, sure. Fire away.
1: So when you're driving, to your favorite fishing hole, uh, river, uh, ocean, wherever you're headed, what's your favorite music to listen to on the way to the water?
0: Um, at the moment, I'm really listening to um, some college music that uh, that the people um, in Stellenbosch are listening to at the moment. Uh, so we've got some favorite bands like uh, Short Straw. Um, we've got a, a local band down here called Beatenberg. Uh, they they produce some really good music, and then obviously still being a little bit of a youngster, um, most of the TikTok videos, um, the the soundtracks that they play to that nowadays, uh, and the the local hot music that's firing generally is what's on the playlist.
1: What what's one go to fly pattern you cannot live without?
0: Um. I would definitely say uh, for, for saltwater uh, salt fish, I would definitely say a, a bait fish pattern. But for freshwater fish, I would say a squirmy-wormy. Um, hmm. yeah.
1: What's your favorite place to talk fly fishing? I realize you're in the shop, so you're probably talking it all day. But is there a coffee shop, a fly shop, a local watering hole that uh, kind of gets you talking fly fishing?
0: But uh, I always talk fly fishing with most of my mates. Um, I've got a favourite uh, spot in in town. Um, there's a place called Yours Truly, and yeah, me and my me and my mates always. That's kind of like the when we want to go and plan a trip, we'll say, "Cool, meet you at Yours Truly," and then I then we kind of know that um, we've got to hunker down and sort of come up with a plan for the next fishing trip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cricket, rugby, or football.
0: Um so yeah I was uh, very into all of those sports when when I was uh, when I was growing up so I would say mostly mostly rugby um but uh, my boss at the moment is the the current uh, he's one of the ex tier cricketers so it's kind of it's kind of persuaded me a little bit to come towards the cricket side of things um I have no idea why, but um, yeah, I've started picking up on crickets a little bit more so recently.
1: Biggest lesson, Stuart, that you have learned in your fly fishing journey?
0: Um, sure. I'd probably say that you you never know everything. The more you know, the the more you realize that you don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> That's a great quote. It's very true. Very true. When you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what
0: um well if i'm not uh, if i'm not fly fishing and i'm not working then generally i like to go out and sort of um um just the normal parties that we go to um i'm normally out there just uh, protecting my sister and stuff and we go out we party together um, and kind of just enjoy enjoy our youth while we have it
1: yeah well said uh, name a couple of your favorite movies. They don't have to be current, but uh, what's a go-to movie for you?
0: Go-to movie? I would probably say Top Gun uh, with um, Tom Cruise in it. Um, but I'm um, also very, very excited because I just uh, actually got released the other day that they uh, are making a new Top Gun, uh, also with Tom Cruise in it. So I'm, I'm very excited for that at the moment. Um, but also any, any sort of Marvel, Marvel comic movie, also very into that stuff.
1: I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Best job you've ever had?
0: <laughs> well, definitely <laughs> uh, working in a fly fishing shop. <laughs>
1: so, so what you're doing now, basically. Best, yes, yes. Best fly fishing location you have been?
0: Um, sure. Uh,
1: well, let's not give away the the farm here. Let's not give away any secret spots, but I mean, is it in your backyard, or would it be somewhere that you might have traveled to?
0: Um, I would probably say the best, the best place that I've been to is uh, probably our family farm. Uh, we've got a family farm up in Kimberley. It's probably about uh, an 11-hour drive uh, from where I stay right now in Cape Town. And uh, we have our indigenous um, fish called the yellowfish, um, the smallmouth yellowfish, and I would say that it's got to be hands down. It's got to be my favorite place to go fishing every year. Um, it really, it, it's kind, it's kind of like catching, it's kind of like catching bonefish in a trout stream. Wow, that's kind of the best way I can put it.
1: Uh, I, I like that. Um, if you could, you're just killing me with these species and I just, I, <laughs> I don't even like know where to start with you. So, <laughs> no,
0: Mark, you need to come down here. You need to, you need to save up and come down here and we'll, we'll take you out and show you.
1: Well, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm I, I'm going to get out there at some point. That's for sure. Um, I, I'm curious, Stuart, who you would cite as Kind of an influence. Like, who did you learn fly fishing from? Is there one or two people that you can kind of point to?
0: Um, well, probably the the, the first person uh, that comes to mind would be my teacher. He obviously he he got me involved in the sport, and he, he had a lot to teach me. Um, and then when we kind of when I started learning on my own and we sort of got to the same level he sort of became like a really good a really good fishing mate um, and then after school we would we would chat about fishing um, we would go on trips together um, we would go to competitions together and in the end we were we were almost competing against each, o- in each other and yeah it was just I would just say the amount of influence that he's had on me has been probably one of the most significant compared to all other people that I've had in my life. Um, Yeah,
1: Good stuff. I want to ask you to paint a picture for us. So if you could have your day your way, say you're heading out on the water this morning or tomorrow morning, uh, that sun's just coming up. What does your day look like?
0: Um, I would I would probably say heading down to to Blake's um, My my local spot down here um, Which means it'll be a a very early morning and late evening fish. So I'll be up early early morning I'll get down get down in my car. It's kind of it's a little bit of a drive It's an hour's drive. So I'll have to get up probably around half past three four ish get down there just as a sort of getting semi-light Walk out to the reef and then as I get out there generally the Sun will just start to rise and it rises up just over the horizon and you kind of get um, that really unique um, South African Sun Sunrise Um, It's it's not really like anything else that um, That I've ever seen in my in my travels around the world either
1: Hmm.
0: and um, then I'll I'll start fishing. Hopefully there's no wind. Um, it's very it's very very rare that we don't get any wind in the saltwater saltwater fishing. Um, but when you get those breathless days, it's just it's just amazing. Then I'll probably fish until about ten half past ten eleven. Uh, there's a nice little cafe there, so I'll pack my rods away and I'll go and chit- um, chat in the cafe. Um, just um, will yeah, sit on my phone, check out some check out what uh, my mates are catching, what are they what are they up to today, and then, yeah, I' slowly mosey back on down, set up my rods again around three o'clock, four o'clock, and sort of go wade out back onto the reef and kind of just stay there. And fish until I get that evening sunset, which is also probably one of the most amazing things to to kind of check out in in the world, I would say.
1: Well, you paint a pretty picture. That sounds that sounds pretty good.
0: Feeling the absolute tug of a of a cob. Um, that's also another species that we kind of need to talk about. No, the the, 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 the cob or the how the, the local people say the cobble joe. Um, the it's a it's Kind of like looks like a a really big carp species, but it's obviously um, saltwater. It has ferocious teeth, um, and they grow to in excess of sixty kgs.
1: Um, Wow! So, so those fish, those fish on your Instagram account that I see you holding up, that I thought were carp, they're not carp.
0: No, they, they, I think there is one. There's one or two that are cob, but the, there is. I'm um, just checking now. Uh, I think there is one of a cob here. Um, there is. There is one of a cob that you can see. You'll be able to see.
1: It's got a. Uh, does it have a forked tail? It just look. The tail look different on on some of those fish.
0: No, it's a it's a all silver fish. It's got a little bit of a purpley tinge across the across the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the mouth is huge. Uh, you won't you won't really see the uh, the tail in the photo, but generally they've got a big paddle tail, um, kind of like a big flat tail, almost like a. Uh, I don't know what you would kind of compare it to. Um, hmm. It doesn't really have a, a a fork in its tail at all.
1: Okay. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Actually, now is probably a good time. Let's get your social media out there so that people can check out some of these fish you, you are catching in and around Cape Town, South Africa.
0: Yeah, so my new my new um, sort of fly fishing account, which I, I sort of keep all my all my uh, fishing sort of adjacent to my personal life. Um, my new account is called Flies Life Brew. Um, just because most of most of my mates, um, we've sort of come up with um, living living here in in Cape Town. Everybody calls each other China or brew, um, kind of like just playing around with it, and sort of flies life. Brew just sounded sounded awesome, and that's what stuck.
1: If somebody wants uh, to to get you out there on the water as a guide or go through your shop upstream. Uh, fly fishing. How's, what's the best place to find upstream fly fishing?
0: Um, we, we're super easy to find. Um, you can, when you're down here, you can just Google us. We, we should be the first people that pop up. Um, there's not a lot of fly like fly fishing shops in South Africa. I would say we're probably about one of four really big fly fishing shops. The other ones are kind of very small work out of your, um, backyard type thing. Um, so you can just Google us. It'll come up. We've got GPS, um, directions on Google maps to, to the shop. Um, you, or you can just phone us and ask, um, I'm in the shop just about every day. Um, and I can easily help you try and find where the shop is. Once you're in, we've got an awesome coffee machine. Um, makes really good coffee uh, you can come have a free cup of coffee and we can just chat about fishing uh, where where about you sort of at in terms of what you what you kind of want to do what's your what's your taste for, for fishing and then yeah if you if you want to go out we can take you out on multiple trips um, there's there's so many so many different options that we that we've got in the Cape Um and they're all. Most of them are listed on our website, uh, which will be upstreamflyfishing.co.za. Uh, um, but yeah, you can also contact us via email um, if you if you really are struggling with everything else at uh, fish at upstreamflyfishing.co.za. Um, and you can mm-hmm. pop us an email, and we'll fire uh, an email straight back to you.
1: That sounds like a plan because I think this is the type of trip that you really, really want to plan it out and, and talk to an expert because, you, you know, there's it, it's overwhelming the different species you can target and the ways to do it. And, and I'm sure you guys could totally dial it in custom kind of as to what, what that client's looking for, kind of what they want to get out of it.
0: Yes, yes um actually uh, another really good thing that we've just had come up now recently is uh we've recently just got a, a house that um st- is situated on the water at um br- the the Breda river which is um kind of one of the few estuaries that is very fairly close to cape town and that's where you can go and kind of target everything in one day um, if you wanted to go and target um, your your Cobb, your your Leary or your Garrick um, and your Grunter, you wanted to get all of those in one day, you'd go down to, to Beretta, Um And we've just got a house that's situated on the water um, that we'll be able to take not just one or two people, but we'll, we'll be able to actually host a group. So if you want to plan a, a legendary guy's trip to... To South Africa as well. You can come down here. You can stay. You can stay on the water with us. Um, we'll take you out on boats. We've got um, we've got a 17 foot fusion that we will take you out on um, and show you the a real good time.
1: I've seen quite a few pictures of that uh, Breda River, and it looks like a a, a big river. It looks like uh, you could definitely spend a lot of hours uh, discovering that one.
0: No, definitely. There's um, a lot of people have spent most of their life there, um, just sort of fishing around day to day, and still to this day they don't they don't know that entire system thoroughly enough. Um, it always it always deals out a new hand of uh, of problems every time you come down. But um, yeah, I would definitely say that uh, me and my colleagues have been down there enough to kind of know the gist of of how to avoid the problems
1: when you're fishing for grunter leary's cob what type of leader material are you using because it i would imagine like first off what kind of strength and are we talking monofilament are we talking fluorocarbon what do you like to use Stuart?
0: so um generally um Kind of depending on the situation of what what kind of fish I would be targeting um, and what kind of structure would be in and around it because um, the Breda River is very is very different structures in different parts of the river. Um, if I wanted to go catch a grunter, then I would probably use about a, a 10 to 12 pound leader. Um, just straightforward nine foot is just all you need. You don't really need a tapered leader. Um, that's got some some special uh, thing about it for turning over flies and everything. You basically just want to land the fly in the area, sort of get your, your, your drift right. As soon as the drift starts working, your leader will sort itself out, and then you'll get the right presentation. You can sort of work with that. Um, but then for if I was going for grunter on the sand where it's really, really picky, then I would be going down to as much as eight pound fluorocarbon. Mm. Uh, Just because it is, they're super, super picky. The water is crystal clear. You can see them from about 20 feet, 20, 30 feet away. You can, uh, they're very spooky. You can't move two feet without them skitting away. Um, and yeah, so then you'd go down to about eight pounds uh fluoro. Then if you were going to go for your Garrick or your Learys, um, I generally say it's safe to, to get away with a 20-pound leader. That'll sort of handle anything from uh, from sort of like your 70-centimeter Learys um, and down, uh, which is the most most common size that you would get down here um hmm. but if you if you are sort of casting in the surf zone then i would say you're going to take it up to about 30 30 pound uh, and you might want to put in fluor just because they do they do tend to rough you up on the rocks a bit sometimes
1: um how big of a rod are you using for a lot of these species like let's talk about equipment here as far as reel and rod like what type of length what type of weight and how big of an arbor do you need on on these reels for these probably i would imagine crazy wild runs
0: (laughs) yeah so generally most of the fishing if you wanted one rod to get away with everything you would probably take a nine weight um generally darling cape town you don't really need anything heavier than a 10 weight. Um, And that would be for for everything that you would be targeting. Um, And if you wanted to kind of fine tune it down to a specific species, you could probably go a little bit lighter with the grunter. And then Garrick, you would use your your 9 weight. And Cobb, you'd probably use your 10 weight. But you can really get away with everything on a nine weight for, 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 local saltwater.
1: Yeah. Do you speak Afrikaans?
0: Um, my, my Afrikaans isn't really that great. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm sort of, I, I do not I do understand it. I don't really speak it that much.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I've, I've worked with some, some South Africans in, in the wine business. And, uh, just your accent reminds me of, of, it takes me back about 10 years when I worked with, uh, a fellow from from he's actually from Cape Town so very similar accent but it's sure nice getting to to hear your voice and and talk some of these species that uh, I could only dream about like it it sounds like a wild a wild ride talk to us about the rainbow trout and brown trout because that's that's what a lot of my listeners are primarily fishing for either bass or um, you know, smallmouth, largemouth, but for the most part, we're talking rainbows, browns, and brook trout over in my neck of the woods. So, what's the trout fishing like there, Stuart?
0: Um, so the trout fishing, all of all of the trout here are um, like native trout or, or like natural trout. They haven't been most of the trout haven't been stocked um, just because we we're kind of having a little bit of a I would say like an ongoing battle with our um, with our government on whether trout should be declared an invasive species or, or not. Um, so there's, it's kind of been a rough battle, but we can. That's not really a thing to get into. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so all of the the, the fishing is really good. They self spawn every single year, so we close our rivers during the wet season, which would be during your June, July, sort of that type of season. Um, we close the rivers and they sort of get their, the rain that comes down, they spawn, everything works out pretty well. And then in the summertime or this time of the year, um, we would we would go out and we would go fishing for them. Generally for all the trout that you're using, that you're catching in the, the rivers you just need to use a three weight you can use you can use a two weight if you really um, want to go ultra light um, but yeah you you'd be looking at a nine foot um, nine foot leader tapered um, down to about i would say about five x and then off of that you would have about a meter of either six x or seven x depending on how how good you. Can deal with the light tippet. Um, obviously, the seven X is a bit better. If you if you're crazy enough to go to eight X, that's also you can you can definitely fire on that. Um, but you're going to be putting in long casts. Um, I would say about 20, 20 feet casts uh, upriver in these small little crooks because uh, the 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 fishing the fishing is it's amazing, but it's not it doesn't reveal itself to everyone. You definitely have to work for your fish but uh, we've got our local protea anglers um, uh, Garth Neverhazen, who's also a very good mate of mine he he's probably caught the most amount of fish that I've heard of in in one day out of one of our stretches of river, and that came to about seventy fish
1: Wow. That's not bad. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a, a pretty busy day on the water. I, I like what you just said there when you said it doesn't reveal itself to everyone. So is a lot of this water unassuming? You know, you're, it's not like you're seeing trout rise all over the place, but you have to take a little closer look?
0: Yes, I would definitely say you've got to, you. you really do have to inspect the river with a very careful eye to be able to actually see where the trout are sort of holding. Um, definitely I would say um, they don't, they don't kind of hold like normal fish where, where you would get your normal sort of fish, uh, I would imagine your side of the world that are sort of holding in the undercuts or, or right very close to the bank, sort of in the shade. Mm-hmm. Our fish you can find right in the middle of the river, in broad daylight, just hiding, just because they blend in with the rock structure so well.
1: Um, what would be natural predators for trout in your rivers? Would it be, um, you know, types of herons or birds from from above, or is there other fish in there that they have to be leery of?
0: Um, when it when it comes to other predators, I would say that there's no other fish in in our rivers. Um, some of the rivers, the, the 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 bass and the trout sort of coexist, and then sometimes you you'll get the bass eating on the trout and the trout eating on the bass. Um, but I would say bird life, there's I would say there's a couple species of heron, um, and um, and stuff like that that sort of feed on the fish. But it's not it's not um, how would you say a very regular uh, coincidence.
1: Mm sure yeah i get what you're saying doesn't happen all the time
0: yes yes
1: hmm so what about from a a point of view from your safety so i mean this this to me is a new frontier so i'm thinking okay uh, you got animal species out there that we don't have in north america so is there anything you have to be wary of like we let's put it this way when guys are fishing and gals are fishing up in alaska or whatever you got to watch you got to be bear aware here um, is there any animal that you, you're conscious of when you're when you're on the water?
0: Uh, definitely snakes. Um, we've got some of we've got some of the deadliest snakes in the world down here, uh, like the king cobra and um, the black mamba. Uh, we've got um, we've also got um, what we call baboons. Uh, it's kind of like a big ape species. Um, and that's kind of really all you really kind of need to to look out for Um,
1: I would imagine that most people that come they're coming into Cape Town to experience Cape Town fishing they they wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that many people come to you to say oh I want to fish for trout like I do back home when you're talking about Cobb, you're talking about learys you're talking about grunter that would get me excited i mean you can always fish for trout when you get home you know what i'm saying do you do you experience that at all yeah
0: um a lot of the guys will come down here and they sort of say yeah i want to go out fishing and then we give them the option cool you can do trout fishing which is um it's really good it's it's it'll give you a very different feel to the trout fishing that you have back home um but it's obviously still trout fishing um but on the other hand we i mean you can't go home and catch garrick so it's kind of you get a lot of guys that are that feel very torn to kind of like should i go on this trip or should i go on that trip um especially when they come down here and they're limited on time
1: yeah i could see that you would really you want to pick your spots and but you know what it sounds to me like there's no wrong decision
0: definitely not definitely not um the a, a little a little thing of advice that I would say is that um there, obviously with it being saltwater fishing there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of uh, uncertainty I would say with with the tide and and the weather and everything it changes from from day to day so if you wanted to if you wanted to get a more uh I would say a more concrete kind of um trip out of coming down to South Africa, I would definitely say go with the trout. You can go down any day, any time, and you can catch trout. Um, you, can't, you can't really go down any time of day um, or any day and just go and catch a, a, a garrick. You've got to kind of wait for the tide to be right. You've got to wait for the right type of moon phase. Um, you got to wait for all of the kind of things to align and then that'll be your best shot. Then, you know, it's still fishing. You might not even catch, you might not even catch one. Um, or you might shoot the light out. I mean, the best day that I had cast for cast, we caught 12 Garrick. Um, wow. And that was, that was,
1: I would imagine you're, you're, you probably elbow and arms a little sore after that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, also, I, I, I do distinctly remember getting the hook through my finger at one point on that day, um, but you know the adrenaline's just so mental. You just you just wiggle it out and you carry on fishing.
1: Um, <laughs> I love it. So if if you were to say, okay, I'm booking a trip to Cape Town, what time of year would you pick? Because you mentioned the wet season. Um, dial us in on that. When when is the ideal time? And maybe it varies for different species.
0: So I would definitely say the best time for I would say all of our species, if you were coming down here, would be from I would say about September to actually no, not even not even September, a little bit earlier than that. Um, I just say this because um, you kind of you kind of want to get your while. Um, while everything is obviously, um, the, the rain has stopped. Um, but you don't want to get here too late because then everybody in Cape Town sort of goes on holiday. And all of the, all of the people mm-hmm. in Cape Town go to the exact same spot. So it just becomes very crowded. But I would say from about August, September the, to about November, December. I would say, if you wanted to plan okay. your best trip for any sort of fishing that you wanted to do even even wildlife is also really awesome to to find that time of the year as well um, just because the 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 living conditions are so much better It's not too hot, you don't have a lot of rain, but you'll have rain like here and there um, the The days are kind of they're slightly longer um and it's just it's more comfortable it's more comfortable
1: yeah that's good advice and you know what that's a really big window really and the beautiful thing from uh from a north american point of view is usually that's when we're starting to see the snow fly at higher elevations it cools right off so um it'd be uh some pretty sweet weather that time of year i would imagine no
0: that's that's yeah it's awesome um and also, um, there's an there's another fish that sort of doesn't really exist in, in South Africa, but we've also found a lot of people coming from overseas to come and catch them. Is uh, the tiger fish? Um, mm-hmm. I personally have never never gone to go and catch the tiger fish. It's it's another fish on, on my bucket list as well. Um, but if you wanted to also go and catch a tiger fish, you can also do it in that sort of time frame as well. Um, you could even do it a little bit more earlier rather than later as well, because it does get quite hot, um, in, in, um, uh, as we would call Zimbabwe, where that's where you would catch, um, that's where you would catch the tigerfish.
1: I have seen, um, I want to say it was the show River Monsters, but uh, I'm pretty sure he was chasing some of those things. They've got some real gnarly looking yes. teeth, if I recall. Yes,
0: they do. They.
1: How, how how do you land those and how do you take the hook out without it getting a little sideways? So
0: the only way to land those guys would be with a really big net. So you'll get a really big net and you scoop him up and bring him onto the deck of the boat. Um, and then you would get a boga grip and you would um, pick him up with a boga grip. Uh, that's sort of the only way to to kind of um, get a hold of the fish and sort of wait for it to calm down and then you can kind of um, hold him by the tail and sort of pose with your photo and then release him
1: well I'll tell you what it's it's been a pleasure chatting with you is there anything you'd like to cover that we haven't covered um Stuart I I, I sometimes like to ask my guests that like is there anything you'd like to tell us
0: come down come down to Cape Town and experience it it really is um, an experience unlike anything else that I would say foreign people have um, experienced
1: well grunter learys cobs tigerfish trout they got it all sounds like we've been chatting today with Stuart Purnell of Cape Town South Africa guide at Upstream Fly Fishing in Cape Town. Thanks so much, Stuart, for for taking the time and and you have a great season on the water. You
0: too, and thank you for having me. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.